Right, all right. It's Real Life, Real Equity with your hosts, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs showing in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. That's right. Since we have grown with real life, real equity, we have learned from our listening audience and our guests that entrepreneurship is full of trials, tribulations, and resilience. With that being said, we are going to email all of our listeners a free copy of the book, Resilience, Turning Your Setback Into a Comeback. This book is full of powerful testimonies from unstoppable super achievers sharing their stories of resilience. With it being endorsed by Brian Tracy and Tom Ziegler, the entrepreneurs, NFL players, speakers, and authors in the book will share with you their firsthand accounts of how resilience put them on the path to success. It's simple. Send us an email to resilience at realliferoequity.com. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Life Real Equity. And so we have a great one for you today. All right, he originally is from Sacramento, California, and he started his career in real estate as an investment broker for selling multifamily and commercial properties in Northern California. He's been personally investing in real estate for the last 10 years and has since acquired a multi-million dollar portfolio comprised primarily of small multifamily properties in California and Tennessee. About five years ago, he started converting properties into furnished short-term rentals, renting them by the night, and accommodating guests from all over the world. Through trial and error, he has figured out how to set up operations so that the business could be passive and has successfully accommodated over 10,000 guests with excellent reviews. He's continuing to expand, and with the help of his team, he's able to manage everything remotely from his home in Medellin, Colombia. He also teaches others to do the same and shows them how they can successfully increase their income by 3, 4, or even 8x with properties that cash flow from the day you buy them. He holds a degree in international business and an MBA from the University of California of Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm round of applause to our friend and guest today, Tim Hubbard. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So... You've been in real estate now for 10 years, as your bio talked about. What did you do before that, if anything? So I started, well, I, I kind of went through the go to school, get a job route. And so after college, uh, I took the best job I had. Uh, worked okay. as an independent contractor selling software, kind of door-to-door sales. And I did that for, for quite a while, actually, in Northern California. You know, I learned a ton, ton about sales got to meet all different types of personalities and, and work with all different kinds of people. So it was a really good experience. I think uh, sales is probably the number one thing that just about everybody who's going to be an entrepreneur should get into. I know Robert Kiyosaki talks about that all the time. Kim McElroy says that if you want to solve an issue, you have more sales, right? So, right. Right. So what inspired you to get into real estate? What inspired you to become the entrepreneur you are? What is your why? You know, I've kind of always felt really entrepreneurial. You know, I, my brother, when I was younger, and they would sell mistletoe around the holiday season, and I saw them do that. So, of course, you know, I copied them, and I did that, and I brought my buddy in, and, and I think we did a lot better than him. But, but uh, it was kind of, uh, I guess, just earning money at a young age, and, and my thought was that, you know, if I had the money, I could do whatever I wanted. So, I guess where that's where inspiration or drive came 
from the beginning. That of course changed. You know, it's, it was a, later on when I discovered traveling. It was about figuring out whatever I could do to be able to travel when I wanted to and experience right. different places. And that's kind of what my whole business has actually evolved into. And I guess I would say that is my why, just experiencing different places, different wow. cultures. Right. That's really good. You know, Tim Ferriss talks about that in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big influence. Um, yeah, I loved that book. I was working, when I read that, I was working as a commercial broker uh, in real estate. Doing It was actually work that I really enjoyed. I loved the projects and the people that we're dealing with, and, and it seemed like a sure route to success, too. I mean, we're doing really, really big deals. But I was working in an office day in and day out. You know, you get there early in the morning, leave late at night, and that was kind right. of the culture as a commercial broker, and it's, it's funny you bring that book up because I, I quit my job after I finished reading that book at that wow. brokerage. And wow. it was one of the hardest things I had to do because I really liked my boss, and it was like a sure path to success. But, yeah, just after reading the book and realizing, like, man, I just I do not like doing this, and that sort of environment didn't fit who I am. Your number one passion is, is travel, right? Yeah, I live in Medellin, yeah, down in uh, Colombia. I mean, I love real estate also. Uh, and the cool thing is it, it's almost what I do now has almost combined traveling and real estate together, which has been fantastic. Right. Our good friend Russell Gray says, live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. And Tim Ferriss talks about in his book being able to create lifestyle-based uh, businesses. So you've done both. You live where you want to live, you invest where the numbers make sense, and you've created a lifestyle-based business. So we commend you. So I guess the question is, if someone's trying to get started, how does someone know they found their thing, their passion? How do they know when they found that thing, if you could answer that? I mean, that's a, that's a real deep question mm-hmm. to ask a person, but you seem to have read a book or, or many books and taken what you've learned and actually implemented it. That's something that a lot of people can't do. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think there's lots of little signs, you know, like if you're waking up in the morning and you're dreading getting up, going somewhere, doing something that you don't want to do or someplace you don't want to go, I would say that you probably haven't found your passion yet. Uh, right. I think when you do find your passion, it motivates you and you, you stay up late at night and you wake up early in the morning and you're excited about it. So I think maybe, you know, just if you can kind of step outside and reflect on yourself, which takes a lot of work, but I think that's the only way you really realize if you're, you're happy at what you're doing and if you've found your passion. Right. Right, right. So what made you choose travel as your lifestyle? Because even I like to travel. It is something that is just considered a leisure to most. But in your situation, you have set up your lifestyle to be a individual that can travel while conducting business. And so explain to the audience how that has worked for you, because I'm sure it has also allowed plenty of time freedom. I was really lucky when I was in high school, I did a little exchange program and I lived with a family in a little city called Salamanca in in Spain for a summer. I was 16 and 
it totally changed my perspective on everything. You know, I left my home that I'd grown up in the whole time and went and stayed with his family in a different country with a different language, with, you know, different architecture and weather and everything. And that honestly seemed a lot happier. And when I got back from that trip, it just made me realize that I didn't necessarily grow up in the place that fit who I was mm. uh, the best, you know, or that there's just there's millions, billions of people out there living totally different lifestyles, uh, and it all kind of depends on what environment you're in and what environment's around you. So that's how I discovered it. You got older and you took advantage. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and going back to my business, it's really, you know, I've traveled so much. I've stayed in tons of different, you know, hundreds of different accommodations all, all over the world, and that's really helped with my real estate business now. Right. It's interesting how it's sort of found its way back into my work. It's almost become my work. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things that I believe is key to success is actually being able to understand your demographic, understand what your client wants. So you just said that you spend a lot of time in accommodations, which means you have had enough experience knowing what it is you like and don't like in said accommodations to be able to create an environment in your short-term rentals to accommodate guests in the way they really want to be accommodated, right? Yeah, totally. And of course, now I'm always very uh, detail-oriented. I guess when I stay somewhere, you know, I'm looking at everything and seeing how they're doing it. But uh, all the time, I, you know, you pick up uh, new things that uh, make a place more accommodating or right. you know, things that I can take and, and bring into my business. So that's definitely wow. helped for sure. So we want to talk about the realities. We're big on realities. I know you've heard that before. Um, we've shared that. Tell us about some of the realities, the highs and the lows of real estate, because right now you seem like you have it all together. You're very confident. But like, give us an example of when you were punched in the gut, a, a reality moment, because entrepreneurship is about the highs and the lows and being able to maintain it through. Um, I know when we were in a book study with Robert Kiyosaki, and that was one of the things that he talked about is being able to go through both the highs and the lows. So talk to us a little bit about that, especially the lows. Yeah. Um, well, as a newbie in real estate, you know, lots and lots of things that I didn't know. It was been a gradual learning curve, but there's luckily I haven't had any like total blowout properties that didn't just end up working. But I would say that the most difficult times and the most stressful times were when I just didn't budget enough for a property, uh, mm-hmm. and the money's running out you know, projects not finished, and that gets pretty stressful. And if you have, you know, contractors and people working for you that are relying on that, that gets very stressful. And so I kind of learned that lesson. But that happened a couple times, you know. It didn't just happen once. It it took me a couple times, actually, to kind of figure that out. Uh, And I'd agree because, you know, we're real estate investors also. And I think one of the things that we experienced in our first project is we didn't budget enough, near enough, and then we went through the same thing with, you know, a few other projects. Yeah. It's just been one of those things. I think that's what every entrepreneur, specifically real estate investors, developers go through, having that yeah. expense creep and then also experiencing that shortfall. I think every investor goes yeah. through it. And, and being able to weather that storm is what we're talking about. So you were able to weather that storm. Yeah. yeah How did you get out yeah. of it? 
you know, I worked with um, a bank, a smaller bank, and you know, the smaller banks have more flexibility in what they do, and uh, basically just showed them, uh, you know, pro formas and things of, of what it was going to earn, with you know, backed by uh, rent comps and things like that, and um, you know, we just readjusted the financing. But right. It's funny, you know, it's, it's it seems like every real estate real estate investor has this issue, even though you know all the books and everything we read. It's like the it's like one of the number one things they always say is like make sure you over budget. But it's almost yeah. like un, until you go through it, doesn't uh, doesn't click for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I agree. And you know, so. there's also third party factors that play into you know the budgeting. So we've had times where we've over budgeted and then something changes in the economy and it, you know, lumber increases by 10x or, you know, steel increases. And so in the middle of your project, your expenses creep. And then you, if you're not experienced, uh -huh. you don't know that, you know, you're supposed to lock in the prices for materials with your contractors at the beginning. You know, a lot of people get started going down to Home Depot and picking up their, uh, picking up their materials. So it's, it's just it's all of those things that play into your experience. So I appreciate you actually um, given the reality behind that and then giving the strategy and solution that you use to to get over it. Yeah, that's what builds the experience also. And then getting around good people that also are familiar with the business helps you also overcome some of those pitfalls. I, 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 I agree. You do have to go through it. You do have to fail a few times and figure it out. But then eventually you figure out, okay, let me actually go ask somebody yeah, <laughs> who's done somebody. it before yeah. and figure this thing yeah. out, you know, so that that's how you become successful. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's all about who you surround yourself with, right? Right. We want to transition, um, and we like to always enlighten our audience and give out some helpful tips and tools, advice that they can use today. So what are three things that you would like to share with the audience that they can use right away, like action steps? One thing I would say is personal development, you know, that's mm -hmm. right. often overlooked, but just improving you know, yourself and taking a little bit of time to do that every day before everything else gets going. I'd say number two is if you're not where you want to be right now, then something needs to change. You know, if you're, if you're doing the same thing every day and it's not changing, then, then you won't be able to discover your passion either if you haven't already found it. So I would say just, just make little changes to your daily habits, your daily routines if you're not where you want to be right now. And then a, a third thing, I guess it kind of couples into that second thing, is just if you're surrounded by people that you don't think are helping you get to where you want to be, then that needs to change also. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the number one thing that I think Keisha and I have really been focusing on this year and last year also. You know, they say that you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. Mm -hmm. and. I think I've learned something in the last year because I've tried to eliminate people and I didn't realize exactly what fit they had in my life. And so I think you have to really categorize what it is that you're getting from whatever relationship you're in. So maybe some of those people you're around for finances and business, some of the people you're around for spiritual reasons, some of the people you're around for 
mental and emotional reasons. Right, There's right. People fit into your life, not just for one thing. So I, I know you hit it on the head when it comes to having the right peer group. So what is something that is unique that most people haven't thought of regarding your business? So you're in short-term rentals. Talk a little bit about that. You know, the industry's really blown up in the last 10, 15 years, you know, since, since Airbnb started. So everyone's kind of hearing about it if they haven't already done it. Um, I think the thing that's really cool about the industry is it's, it's almost like Uber to me. You know, like Uber came along and people have been taking taxis their whole lives and they realize, hey, I really like Uber. It's more convenient. It's a better experience. And then, you know, short-term rental accommodations in the sense of like Airbnb came along. They've been around forever in terms of like hotels, which I would sort of equate to like a, a, a taxi, you know. But with the short-term rentals and Airbnbs, you get an experience also, you know. Right. So it's, you still get to stay in the same great places, but you get an experience. And, and if you're going for the experience and you're trying to feel a little bit more of the culture, it, it's much more easy to do that um, if you're staying in you know, a short-term rental accommodation versus a, a big hotel, especially yeah. a big hotel chain. Right. Yeah. Wow. So what are some of the things that are associated costs, uh, associated rookie mistakes that people make when they're getting into short-term rentals? Uh, I'd say a lot of people, you know, they start in their backyard, right? You know, a lot of um, real estate investors do that as well right. for lots of reasons, but you know, there's a lot of regulations around short-term rentals. Rookie mistake is trying to expand in an area or a city that's highly regulated. Um, oh, interesting. You know, those are, those are usually the biggest cities, you know, in New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco where there, there's often a, a housing shortage already. And then right. the, the short-term rental regulations seem to come in a lot harder and if you're operating your, your short-term rental business out of that city and someone comes along and says, you can't do this anymore, then you're going to be in a tough spot. I, I like to invest in areas that make sense even if they're not short-term rentals. So you know, I find properties that are cash flowing the day that I buy them. Um, but, then, but then I go in, and then also in areas with, you know, no restrictions or very limited, you know, good rent-to-value ratio. So I look for properties that are in areas with strong fundamentals and then convert them into a short-term rental, and then the income can just go through the roof, honestly. Uh, wow. But then you still always have that safe out. If uh, laws ever change and they came in and they did say, hey, you can't do this anymore, a hotel lobbyist really got in there, uh, you're protected, you know. You, you can still run it as a as a long-term rental. So right. I think that's probably like the most fundamental thing if you're looking to invest in short-term rentals. Right. It sounds like you have acquired the property itself for that backup, like a plan B, just in case something does change in that area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look for places that make sense, you know, that are they're already um, stabilized, you know, that they're actually making money, not a ton but they're at least making money. It also helps out a lot with financing. You know, if, right. if you go to look for a property and you go to a lender and you say, hey, I know this property, maybe in San Francisco or you know, some of these areas where the property values are really high and they don't make sense with a long-term tenant, 
and you go to the lender and say, "Hey, well, I'm going to put in a short-term tenant, and look, the incomes are going to go. You know, the income's going to go up four times. They're probably not going to go for it. So it's a lot easier to get financing and stuff too if you're working with properties that make sense from from the very beginning." Right, absolutely. So we want to, you know, add some value to our guests. Uh, you have so graciously put together a free report for our audience talking about short-term rentals. So uh, give us a little bit about what you're going to talk about and then uh, a way for them to contact you to get that free report. They can go uh, to restmethods.com, which is R-E-S-T, like real estate short-term methods.com. And I have a report on there for finding good areas to invest in for short-term rentals. So where to find the best properties that are working from the beginning but that you can convert into short-term rentals. Uh, and I think I got a lot of great little tips on there. So, Okay, so R-E-S-T-M-E-T-H-O-D-S.com, restmethods.com. Go on there, get your free report, download it. Short-term rentals are hot right now. I mean, super hot. Everybody wants to know about Airbnb and short-term rentals, corporate leases, all of those things that are encompassed in short-term rentals. This is the guy that knows it. I mean, uh, I don't know too many people who have quit their job and successfully, that's the word, successfully been able to implement something like the 4-Hour Workweek book and move to another country, live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense, and then uh, run the business remotely and more passively than most people run their businesses. So, Congratulations to you on that. We appreciate you coming on to the podcast, giving us and our audience some good takeaways, some great, great value. We look forward to the next time, man. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.